they don't understand how your heart yearns to be in combat. Not because you have something to prove, but those are your soldiers. Those are your brothers in arms. I wanted to be with my soldiers. I wanted to be with my team. Even though I was at home receiving the medical treatment that I needed, Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Daily Helping. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I'm really grateful to bring this episode to you. This is a Veterans Day special and When we do a Veterans Day special, for those of you who have heard previous episodes, we highlight an amazing veteran who has done incredible things and is doing even more incredible things to help other veterans with a nonprofit. And we're going to talk today to Jared Turner. Jared Turner served as Staff Sergeant in the U.S. Army for eight years as a Healthcare Specialist 3rd Infantry Division. He has dedicated his post-military service to improving the quality and access to resources for his fellow veterans. Since 2012, he has worked in various veteran service roles for the Atlanta VA Medical Center, the Atlanta VA Regional Office, and Senior National Officer for the Wounded Warrior Project, among others. Jared is going to talk to us today about the Warrior Alliance. I can't wait for you all to learn about him and the great work he's doing there. Jared, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard. I appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, Jared Turner, former Army combat medic, uh, actually served in the Army for 10 years. Uh, But the first eight years was uh, with the uh, 3rd Infantry Division. Rocket Amar to all my dog faced soldiers out there. And uh, the last two years was down at uh, Fort Sam Houston, uh, training fellow medics, if you will. So uh, thank you so much, Dr. Richard. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for your service. And, and I'm honored to have you with us. Tell us, uh, I know you just kind of glossed over your 10 year military career, but a lot of people don't really understand. And, and you were a medic. So talk to us about what it's like to be a medic in combat? Great question. Uh, Well, I was 26 when I actually enlisted into the Army, and that was in 2000. So essentially, uh, my first few years in the Army was honestly just doing what you would normally do. Uh, Everything from the troop medical center to just working in a hospital as an EMT, if you will. It wasn't until it was time to be deployed where things really changed. Being a line medic, being part of a mechanized infantry unit, that's when you get to see a lot of work, a lot of action. That's where you have to put your skills to the test, if you will. But you also have to you know, start looking at that, that leadership aspect and understanding that the, the things that we had to do, the things that we were exposed to, 
I really only had what was in between my my two hands, if you will, and then what was in my aid bag and, you know, really relying upon the team to stabilize and get those those soldiers that needed the higher level of medical attention, getting them to the green zone. And, you know, uh, that's when the teams would get them from the green stone to, uh, to Longstool, Germany. So tell us, so for those of us that are familiar with the combat terms, tell just what is the green zone? So the safe zone. Safe zone. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, safe zone. I'm a little old right now with, <laughs> uh, with all this gray hair, and you know, there you go, Doctor. You know, Doctor Richard, with all of your, you know, you got your lush hair there, and I just got this little chrome dome on top of my head, if you will. But uh, you know, uh, I remember getting to Kuwait, and I remember when the doors of the plane opened up and we could feel that heat wave. I think the first day we were there in Kuwait, it was like 146 degrees. So uh, you can imagine 146 degrees. You could barely see the sun was so bright. You know, um, it was uh, it was a wake up call. You know, it was a, a very, very different wake up call. And because I was older than a lot of my counterparts, Joining again, I joined the army at 26. I enlisted at the age of uh, 26, so it was just very, very different. You know, for some, I was that senior enlisted non-commissioned officer. For others, I was uh, that big brother figure. You know, as a medic, you just don't know what you're going to be called to do because when that term "medic" goes screaming out because of my brothers in arms. I know I can go run to whatever type of situation that I need to go into, but it's a very difficult situation. I can just put it to you like that. It's worthy, but um, it's not always easy. And I, I omitted this intentionally when I read your bio because I wanted you to share the story. Uh, you were deployed twice to Iraq and wounded during an attack. Could you Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, part of the initial push into Iraq and um, that first deployment was 15 months. Uh, right now, that's actually illegal. Like You can't deploy for 15 months. Second deployment was 12 months. Uh, subsequently, as a result of the attack that day in October, as a matter of fact, just celebrated my live date, if you will. Subsequently, uh, got ejected out of a guard tower, and as a result of being ejected out the guard tower from the explosion, there was uh, four shoulder surgeries, two elbow surgeries, two surgeries on my jaw, and just got filleted with a like a fifty cent uh, piece of shrapnel. So, um, you know, I, I had some challenges. I mean, I have two volumes of medical notes or medical records on my right arm. Uh, one of the reasons that I had to be medically retired is because I could no longer palpate a, a pulse. I'm right-handed, so uh, unfortunately, uh, due to the severity of the injuries on my arm, at one point in time, I could not even, I didn't have the dexterity to pick up and hold a pen or a pencil, uh, let alone feed myself. So, uh, you know, it was a long road to recovery. How long? How long were you like that? Probably for nine months to a year. That's why I actually ended up going to Fort Sam Houston was because I could no longer operate and do the things that I was going to be called to do as a line medic. 
still had the aptitude, still had all of the experience, still had all the knowledge. But when you can't, when you got to think about pulling the trigger, when you got to think about, can I palpate this pulse? When you have to think about, can I, can I, can I, that's a problem. That is a problem. Uh, if you notice what I said, I mean, you have to think about pulling the trigger. Uh, scene safety is the most important thing, uh, even for a medic. Um, you don't do anything unless the scene is safe. So sometimes you have to engage with the enemy before you can get to that brother or sister in arms that needs you. So you can render the aid that is needed. So uh, roughly nine months like that and you know, then having to work through the the neck injuries, because, of course, with a, a fall, a 20 plus foot fall with roughly 100 pounds of gear on, uh, you know, full vest, weapon, Kevlar, what have you. Uh, I've got three bulging discs in my neck. So between the bulging discs, between the vertigo, between the migraine headaches, between all the neurological damage, um, it, it took almost 18 months to two years just to to get back into the fight, if you will. One of the things that so many people don't understand is so many veterans become suicidal, not so much because of the injury itself, but because of the ability to continue to soldier and serve is taken away from them. What was it like emotionally for you during that time? Oh, it was incredibly frustrating. Yeah. I'm not a small person. So, you know, uh, prior to, to, uh, to getting injured, uh, prided myself on being able to do a lot of PT, physical training, if you will, not physical therapy. But I mean, I could do push-ups all day long. Uh, I couldn't necessarily run as fast as it's some, but I could definitely run and sit-ups. That was nothing. So, you know, you go from being able to do that to having to learn now how to use your left hand for everything. That's hard. And then you have to watch your brothers go down range. And here it is. You look fine, but that's because you can't see the scars. You know, if if my shirt's off, yeah, you can see the scars and everything. But the average person can, they have no earthly idea what those scars look like. They don't know what the pain of, of multiple surgeries is. They don't understand how your heart yearns to be in combat. Not because you have something to prove, but those are your soldiers. Those are your brothers in arms. I wanted to be with my soldiers. I wanted to be with my team. Even though I was at home receiving the medical treatment that I needed, the emotional pull on your heart, you know, we don't train to be peacemakers. We train to go to war and defend our nation. So to look in the mirror and say, okay, every day was a mental fight, it was hard. I want to just applaud you for you know, being vulnerable and being open to talk about this, because I, I think that these issues that veterans deal with, the average person doesn't have a frame of reference for that, just because the uniqueness of, of military training and what it actually means to be in combat. So I, I want to flash forward, Jared, a little bit. You went to Fort Sam Houston, uh, and then mm -hmm. you left. you left the military. And so I want to spend a few minutes talking about what got us to the Warrior Alliance, because I want to give ample time to talk about all the amazing things that organization is doing. But talk about that transition out of the military and, and what that was like. 
that was an incredibly hard transition. And uh, the reason I say it was so hard was, again, I never wanted to medically retire. Again, I look in the mirror, I look at myself, and I pride myself on being healthy, staying in shape, being able to do the things that a soldier is called to do. But when your shoulder keeps popping out or when you can't, you know, grasp things because there's just you don't have the dexterity in your hands, uh, you have to think about that. You know, you have to think about what is that mortality. And then also, I, I was very fortunate to have some really good senior leaders who simply told me, hey, look, as good as you are and as, as much as we love and appreciate who you are. Sergeant Turner, a.k.a. Doc, the Army will create more of you, period. We will create another Staff Sergeant Turner. We will create another Doc. That's just the nature of the beast. So some of the emotions that I was dealing with is not just what happens when I separate, what happens when I take this uniform off, what happens to that identity, you know, but it's fear of the unknown. You know, I was good at what I was doing. I was squared away, as we like to say in the army. Now, what is it? What, who am I going to be? As well as when I was separating from the army, one of the things that at that time, 2010, nobody was talking about traumatic brain injury. Nobody was talking about vertigo and double vision and light sensitivity and headaches and, you know, um, I spent a wedding anniversary laying on the floor, literally eating with my ex-wife because I couldn't stand up because every time I stood up, I would fall. So, you know, there is a, a big shift. Uh, there was a big desire to try to understand what the heck am I going through? These are things that I had no explanation for. And then at that time, there just wasn't enough military medical doctoring to help people like myself say, hey, this is what's taking place. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. A lot of times when we experience that type of a transition, we have people in our lives that help us bridge that gap uh, emotionally, cognitively, otherwise, and get us to that next place. So and I, and I did this kind of intentionally, too. Like I left off some of your accolades right out of the intro because I wanted you to talk about them. But you've been for so many years a shining force in helping veterans how were you able to cross that chasm emotionally and get to a place where you then began in a, in a different kind of a helping role, but still helping? I think for me, it was um, all I wanted to do is be the best dad that I could be. Best version of whoever I am right now. Uh, I knew there was no way for me to get back 
And, you know, at that time, when your ulnar nerve has flattened out, I mean, it's just completely flat. You know, there's the impulses aren't there. Yes, I have my arm. Yes, I have my hand. But the brain is saying do one thing and it's just not reacting, not in a, in a timely manner, as well as when I started realizing the cognitive, cognitive deficit that I was having, you know, occasionally I'll still have a lisp or I'll stutter these days. But I just knew that I wanted to be the best version of me and being the best version of me. I didn't know how to find that. Uh, when I, I, I still, to this day, I don't recall driving from Fort Sam Houston to ending up in Atlanta, Georgia. I, I have no recollection of that. There's mm. big gaps in my memory that I just, I just don't have anymore. So it, it mentally, it was incredibly hard. Physically, it was hard because when I start thinking about the migraine headaches and the light sensitivity and Again, you look, quote unquote, normal. Now we have to define what is normal. But am I going crazy? Uh, you know, there was a multitude of questions. For me, one of the community partners that the Warrior Alliance has now is called the Shepherd Center. It, it, it was at the Shepherd Center uh, where they have what's called the Share Military Project, uh, excuse me, Share Military Initiative. That's where we kind of unraveled this piece called traumatic brain injury. After getting treatment there for roughly about 15 to 16 weeks, that's when my journey really started taking fold, taking shape, if you will. I started linking up with other veteran service organizations from Team Red, White, and Blue, the Shepherd Center, um, Camp Twin Lakes, just a multitude of organizations here in the greater Atlanta metropolitan area because I knew that I needed to find my new North Star. I knew I needed to find that. I just happened to be very fortunate that in the process of trying to find my North Star, that there were men and women from some nonprofits, some for-profit organizations that I could connect to. And, uh, that was probably the most impactful piece because I was able to bring my kids to many of these organizations. I was able to kind of just be my true self, you know, um, as dads, as men, as, as adults, if you will. Sometimes it's just hard because you think of how people are going to view you. For me, I lost 11 men that I have served with in combat. So uh, in total, I've lost 17 to suicide veterans that I have known, but I didn't want to be one of those. You know, I've seen the after effects and uh, selfishly, um, I was doing all this because I wanted, I needed to hold on to something. I needed to hold on to something. I, I just kept believing that if I kept persevering, persevering, if I kept pushing myself, if I kept taking a step forward, that I would get on the other side of this. So, And you, you did get on the other side of this, and it, it led you, among other places, to the Warrior Alliance, uh, where you are now. And so I, I want to give you space to tell everybody what the Warrior Alliance does and why it's so unique and important. 
So the Warrior Alliance, uh, we opened up our doors in 2018, December of uh, 2018, if you will. The CEO is Scott Johnson, and Scott and I kind of became friends along this journey after few years of uh, meeting with him, uh, his organization at the time, they had provided funding for the Family Warrior Weekend, which is a program that I had brought my family to. And that's when I met and started understanding that, you know, hey, there's more ways that I need to give back. So when you think about the Warrior Alliance, we think about my journey. You think about Hey, I was able to connect with a multitude of organizations, but maybe our fellow brothers and sisters are not. So how do we have battle buddies for them? How do we create a network? How do we find the best in class organizations and make sure that no service member, no veteran has to do this by themselves? Because we know, statistically speaking, if you think that you're the only one in a fight, at some point in time, you're going to get tired. And by the time you get tired and weary, that's when you're going to have potentially have some negative thoughts, face some challenges, and you don't get to see what's on the other side of that door or what's on the other side of that wall because you're just tired. So when you start thinking about the Warrior Alliance, think about a convener. Think about one organization that will go out and work with you. You know, when you pick up the phone and say, hey, uh, I've connected to the Warrior Alliance, you know, what do you have? The first thing that we say to you is, first and foremost, how can we help you? You know, we're here for you and it's not cookie cutter. Uh, Every single person that comes through our doors, whether it's virtually or in person, is going to receive what we call a warrior care plan. That warrior care plan is specific to the goals of that warrior. And the reason that I say service member, we really have uh, a lot of interaction with our reserve, our National Guardsmen. Again, that fighting force, when you start thinking about it, they've done so much, but yet they receive so little. When I got injured, my injury allowed me to come home or come stateside a lot slower than the average person comes home. Sometimes uh, when we were deployed the first time, we were back home, you know, three days you're back at home and, you know, you you have some downtime, you have some time to release the pressure, but you don't feel quote unquote normal. How do you feel normal? What does that feel like? You know, you can't even describe the emotions of all of that, let alone the physical uh, pains that you you're definitely going to go through. For anybody that says that they've served in the military, whether it be the Army, the the Marine Corps, the the Coast Guard, the Navy, or even the Air Force, and they tell you that they have no injuries, they are lying to themselves (laughs) and they are lying to you, especially if they are a soldier or a Marine. Our jobs are physical. We just know how to suck it up and embrace it. But you carry that for such a long time. So... When it comes to coming to the Warrior Alliance, when it comes to seeking resources or seeking information, the biggest thing you need to know is that you're not alone. You're not alone and you know that not only are we gonna check to make sure that we're connecting you to the right organizations and we're gonna hold those organizations accountable, we're always gonna check back in with you. At a minimum of twice a month, you're gonna get a phone call or an email from our team 
just asking you, how are you? And that's a simple question, but that's also a very loaded question, as you know. What I really think is cool about this is the uniqueness of a customized plan for every veteran that works with you, because there are a lot of veterans who receive care, but it's just this cookie cutter approach to treatment that in it's not a one size fits all thing. Trauma affects people very differently. It presents itself very differently. It's triggered by different things for different people. And so I I just really love that you've taken this customer approach. And what I also love that I heard you say is that you guys work with a ton of organizations, hence the term alliance, but you hold the organizations accountable, meaning that you vet these organizations. And what is disappointing is that there are so many organizations, some just because they don't know how to effectively manage themselves and help people in the most efficient way, but some, unfortunately, because there is money to be made and people take advantage of veterans uh, all too often. So I love that you guys fully vet every resource that you would refer a veteran to. I think that's fantastic. So there are 7,000 organizations and we can't expect the average person, let alone a veteran who is trying to manage a new life, trying to manage work, trying to manage a family, to go through all 7,000 of those organizations. That's why we only have 37 community partners with an MOU that we have, as well as service level agreements. We might go up to maybe 45 community partners. It just depends on the needs and the data that we're receiving from our veterans. It guides how we're going to engage with our community partners. Again, trust is everything. Our warriors come to us and they trust that we are going to work with them, that we're going to walk with them, and that we're going to connect them to the best opportunities. We have to trust our community partners. But as we know, it's always better not just to have words, but actions behind that trust. And that's what our community partners have with our MOUs and our service level agreements. Perfect. And and it's because you've created this type of a model it's pretty easy to use your imagination and see you could replicate this model everywhere in this country, do the same thing. Yeah, we're very fortunate. At this time, uh, two years ago, the Atlanta Braves uh, adopted us and they saw the good work that we were doing. So they gave us a beautiful 5,000 square foot facility here. And, you know, next year we are definitely going to continue focusing on Georgia, but we are going to start expanding. And the reason we're going to start expanding Alabama, Georgia, and the Carolinas, uh, when you start looking at that area, that's called Vision 7. Vision meaning the VA Integrated Service Network. The VA does good work, but the VA is an aircraft carrier. It can't respond quickly to the needs of its population. That's where the Warrior Alliance, along with our community partners, we stand in the gap to ensure when those phone calls come in that we can respond in a timely manner and make sure that our warriors are stabilized. Yes, they're going to connect with the VA because that's what they should should do. And yes, we have to hold the VA accountable, but we're not going to sit or rest. When a warrior needs help, that's where the warrior alliance comes into play. Beautiful. Jared, again, I want to thank you for your service, for all of the good work 
that you continue to do with the Warrior Alliance. Uh, as you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guests a single question, and that is, what is your biggest helping, that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Dr. Richard, I'm, first, let me thank you. Speaking on the behalf to my fellow brothers and sisters in arms is, is something that I'm very honored to do and I'm very thankful to do. I did not get here by myself. And the one thing that I would ask uh, my fellow brothers and sisters in arms is don't try to do this by yourself. When you transitioned into the military, no matter what branch of service it was, you didn't do it by yourself. There was a multitude of people that helped you as you transitioned into service. So what we ask you is don't try to do this by yourself. You had a team when you went into the military. You have a team when you're separated from the military. We are part of that team. So if you need help, if you have questions, all I ask you to do is reach out and give us a try. Call us. Send us an email, send us a text message, but do not try to do this by yourself. Transition is hard at multiple levels. And even if you transition or separated from the military 20 years ago, it doesn't mean you had a successful transition. We are here to help you. Don't do this by yourself. You want to do it on a battlefield by yourself. Don't try to do it on this new, different arena. Don't try to do it by yourself. Perfect. Tell us where people can learn more about the Warrior Alliance and contribute to this organization. All right. To learn more about the Warrior Alliance, you can simply go to www.thewarrioralliance.org. You can find us on all the social media platforms. And to make donations or contributions to the organization, again, just go to our website, thewarrioralliance.org. And we gladly appreciate the donations that you would make to our cause of supporting our fellow brothers and sisters in arms. And we are going to link to everything Warrior Alliance at drrichardschuster.com in the show notes so that you can make a difference today and contribute today. But Daily Helping listeners, we're going to have something coming up that we will let you know about, uh, which is going to be a special fundraising initiative that I'm going to be involved in to really help this organization because it's so important the work that they do. Jared, I, I'm so grateful that you came on and told us everything that you're doing today. Again, uh, thank you for from all of us for all of the good work that you're doing in the world. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and I can't wait to work with you in the future. No, me too. Me too. I also want to thank each and every one of you for taking time out of your day to listen to this. And I do encourage you to go to drrichardschuster.com so you can find those links and contribute to the Warrior Alliance. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. Mm-hmm.